We're going to jump right now into our message for today. And for those of you who are visiting or new with us, we, we have some interesting traditions as a church. I think it's, it's really good that churches have traditions. Some churches go through an actual liturgy through the year where pretty much the same messages every Sunday are repeated every year, uh, maybe a little different on the message, but there's a, a, a flow to their, the way they do church, and that, that's a good thing too. We have some traditions that we started as a church. They didn't start as something we said we're going to do every year. Uh, but this is one of them that we have done. It's called Resolution Sunday. Um, and uh, it's a, a time where we look back, we reflect on God's work amongst us in the past year. And, and that includes money, finances, because we uh, as at The Rock, we're a family. And so we, we don't shy away from talking about that thing called money. And so we'll talk about that this morning. We also provide an opportunity for those of you who are extra shy, um, but really it's about all of us being able to give a testimony to the work that God has been doing in our lives uh, in the past year. So there's a microphone here, and at about midway in our time this morning, I'm going to give the opportunity to you to come up and, and tell us your gospel story, uh, just a little testimony of something that God has been doing in your life over the past year. And then we'll also dream a little bit. We'll, we'll cast forward um, into the year ahead. And we've got some really exciting things that I want to share with you. So that is the outline for today uh, for what we'll look at. First of all, we're going to look back and at a 2017 in review, and then we're going to give you an opportunity to share just a brief word, just a testimony, something that God has done in your life, um, either personally through your small group, uh, through our church, through what God's been doing and teaching you and exhorting you, and then we'll cast some vision forward uh, for the next year. So let's look back a little bit and review for this past year. Last January 1st, um, I want to highlight that a little bit because, well, we, we cast some vision. We, we dreamed a little bit about what we could do. But last January 1st, uh, we looked at the previous year, 2016, and that was a momentous year because in that year was the first year that we as a small church plant of six, seven years of age were no longer receiving any financial support from C2C, our church planning network, or from Northview Community Church, uh, or Westside for that matter, in Vancouver. We were on our own. <laughs> we were on our own. And, and, and we, had to, we had to make up a fair bit of support that they gave. So we, we cast the vision. We let everybody know in the church um, what that situation looked like. We asked everybody. We basically said, listen, we need to become a big boy and a big girl church, and we need to, as a family, all contribute. But we also had these dreams, this whole list of things that we wanted to do in that year. Um, we, our missional community groups were growing, and they were getting on mission, and we wanted a bunch of things done, and we just put out a list out there. It was a, it was a crazy year, 2016, right? We asked for a lot, and, and sometimes pastors and elders and leaders and churches do that, and the, the membership generally kind of goes, oh, <laughs> especially after Christmas, right? But it was amazing to see last January, if you remember, what had happened. Not only had we as a church um, made up most of the shortfall of the support that we'd received, we ended up with a, with a, with a small deficit of $6,000 last year. But the good news was is that we accomplished all these big dream things, and it was incredible. Let's, let me give you a short list of the things that we accomplished in 2016. Now, I know this is 2017 review, but it'll make sense. We, we asked that you would support the Sunday gathering. In other words, that we always ask that. Three things we ask rocksters to do is faithfully attend Sunday gatherings, faithfully commit to a small group community where you can grow in family and relationship together and in God's Word, and then faithfully give and serve in the church. And so we're always asking that, but we asked you specifically to support this gathering, and especially in the area of serving. 
you know, with the setup team, with worship, with children's ministries, with cafe, whatever it might be. And the church did. It was a really amazing uh, flow. We need more. We always need more, but it was great to see that in that year. We wanted to support Young Life, continue to give financially as a church to Young Life, to see to see our church planning network, to give back to those who have been giving to us, to MB Mission, to the Gideons. Um, we wanted to offer an Alpha course. We wanted to reopen the Ledge Cafe in that year, and we wanted to pray for the boys who were leading it. We wanted to do another, uh, pardon me, our first mission trip to Mexico to San Quintin and to build a school. We wanted to support community Christmas care. And finally, we wanted to begin participating really fully in Hilltop House. Well, in that year, we did them all. All of those things were done. It was amazing to see our church step up and to do that. Um, On top of all those things, our good friends from Mountain View Community Church in Fresno, California, decided to come up and help us do a sports camp in town. And that was great. I mean, they came and they basically funded it and, and, and served in it. But we had, to, we had to support it. We had to help. And they brought this trailer with them. With these, they did these block parties, three of them in town. And, and all of the rocksters, people in the church, had to get out and support that. And we did. It was amazing. It was really amazing. And so, you know, like despite the fact that we, we had a shortfall financially, it wasn't, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't the end of the world. Um, we did still have some money in reserve, but it was what we did as a church. We served. We really served, and we reached out into this community, and it was a blessing. So last year, by the time we arrived at January 1st, um, as we were praying as elders, uh, and we looked at the past, we we noticed two major changes had occurred in our church, Hmm. right? Two major changes had occurred, and we we were praying about, okay, can we ask the church, um, you know, giving, yes, can we ask for them to help, you know, give enough so that we can be supporting as supported as a church, yes. But what about all these things, right, that we're doing? And, and so the first thing we noticed was babies. Lots of babies. Like, not only within our church, go forth and multiply, we take the Bible literally. People are having babies all the time in this church. It's amazing. It's an awesome thing. But also, new families that were joining us in that fall of that year and this year, which is awesome, were coming with kids, Young ones, toddlers, lots of children. And so secondly, we, we, we saw something every year that we, you know, we've been seeing for years, core members, beloved members, leaving Squamish, moving away, leaving us. It's hard. But at the same time, as I said, God was bringing people, new people to the church, and yet they're coming, and they're coming in a season where they've got all these kids and young kids. It's hard for young families to although they want to, to get connected, to get involved, to serve and do all those things. It's hard. So as elders, we thought we need to simplify. (laughs) We need to pull back in 2017 and not ask people to do too much, not overwhelm our church with too much, because we actually believed and trusted this. All those big things that we were doing, we're going to get done again, because people had seen the blessing in, in getting behind those things. And so this past year, um, it's, it's amazing. We asked you to basically do three things this year in 2017. The first thing we asked you to do was, again, back to our base, basics, faithfully commit to Sundays. You know, uh, faithfully show up on Sundays. And I know it's, it sounds like an obligation thing, but it's about showing up for one another, right? It's about deciding as Christians that the first day of the week, as hard as it is when there's powder in the hills, right? or, or when it's a beautiful, warm, sunny day in the summer, that, you know, we're going to be here. Now, you know, people need a break. People need to take holidays and stuff like that. We get it. But to show up 
and serve one another, and to be here for visitors and new people who arrive. And that was one of the things we asked you to do as part of our refocus, just really simplify, bring it back to the basics of our church. And then secondly, we asked you last January 1st, 2017, to faithfully commit to a small group community. We, we know as a church, Sunday gatherings are important. We know that. Everybody knows that the people believe that, you know, Christians should gather on Sunday and worship God, and, and it's a good thing. But the point of gathering on Sunday is to be built up, to be equipped, to be encouraged, and then to be sent, <laughs> you know, to gather and scatter into the community, but also to become people who are disciple-makers, who make disciples. And the only way that you can do that, or the best way, I should, way, should say, to learn that and to grow in that is to get into community with other believers, younger, younger and older. Most of our missional community groups have older people and, and middle and, and younger, and so it's a real family-type dynamic, which is good. And the point of that is, is that you get discipled there. We eat meals together. We, uh, we talk about the message or some Bible study from the week before, and, and we, we go through questions, and we, we, we go deeper into God's Word. And hopefully, what develops out of that is we develop personal relationships where women disciple women and men disciple men, and we, we, we start to hold each other accountable to things, and we, we kind of poke each other a little bit and say, wait a second, you know, how's that working in your life? Some of us become a little bit more transparent and honest and actually confess that we struggle. This Christian life's easy, isn't it? Come on, really? It's a, it's a cakewalk, isn't it? Really? Not so much, is it? So we need to do this, and so we called you to this. And again, i got to tell you, this past year is very encouraging to me and to the leaders of the church to see the, the growth in people in our church coming out of that. Uh, there's been, like, there's, there's one small group in particular, but they're all, but there's, there's some serious debate going on in some of these small groups, right? Like, what did he say? What does that say? It's good. It's good. There's growth that comes out of that. It's the only way that we can learn is sometimes to struggle through these things and, and to be struggling together and encouraging one another and growing. And so we, we did that. But out of that, out of the, this on Sunday, where we get built up in God's Word, where we serve together, where we're here for people who are coming to visit, who, who are far from God, who don't even maybe know Jesus, and they see us showing up for one another and serving and, and teaching kids and, and, and preaching God's Word, the natural outflow of that and missional community groups should be the, that we go and make disciples, that we are now built up individually as believers in Jesus Christ, where we can go and share our faith with people who are far from God, people who are our neighbors, people who we work with, people who we have coffees with, who, who we party with, and who we ski with, who we mountain bike with, and the various community groups that we become part of. And so I, I just want to say this is what we called you to. We simplified it. We tried to pull it back this past year so that we would just refocus on that. And also so that many of the new families who would come and be part of The Rock would understand what we're calling people to as the Rock Church, who we are. We're not better than any other church. We're not the same as any other church either. God has put it on our heart to be very specific in certain areas, and, and it seems to be working as far as personal growth, but also reaching the community. So that's what we called you to. And uh, so what are the results? What were the results this past year? Well, as I said, uh, we were rather certain that many of the great things that we asked you to do 
um, in 2016 would also happen uh, in 2017. And as a matter of fact, all of them did except two things. We didn't do an alpha in 2017, and we didn't do a sports camp. But I have some good news. In 2018, the folks from Fresno, California, in July, are coming back to help us do one in 2018. Isn't that good news? That's amazing. They're, they're, these people are so faithful. Well, let me, let me explain. I'm just going to take a side note on that just to explain. Do you know that the young people who come, there will be about 30 of them plus uh, 10 um, leaders that will come with them and chaperones will come with them? They raise all the money for their summer you know, youth group trip to come here, not only to come here and, and buy their own food. You know, we billet them. We put them in homes, but they buy their own food. They, they pay for all of the supplies, for everything that is needed for the block parties, for everything, the sports camp, the soccer balls, everything. They raise the money for that. And every year when they leave as a church group, as a youth group, they leave money with the Rock Church as a gift. That's incredible to give up, to, you know, 10, 12 days of their summer to come here and do that for us. They're coming again this year. And so that's really encouraging. I would say probably one of the highlights this year, we did them all except Alpha and uh, the sports camp in 2017. But one of the highlights has to be this, right? We went to Mexico again, right? And, and this year was really encouraging because we had 27, 28, I, I always get the number wrong, but somewhere in that neighborhood of men and women go this year versus 11 or 12 the year before. And they were from Squamish all the way up to uh, Pemberton. Uh, many of the men and women who came with us, probably um, maybe over half of the ones that came with us, were non-Christian or unchurched people, um, people who um, Lorraine knew and others knew up in, uh, from the Summit Lodge in Whistler and through those connections, through Lions Club and various other things. They came with us. They're in this picture with us. Also, some people from Victoria, uh, from Saanich, from Saanich Baptist Church came with us and another church in, in the Victoria area, and it was awesome. And this year, we built... 1.5 schools. We built one two-room school and one one-room school in four days. It's almost magic how it happens and it comes off, but it was incredibly encouraging. We raised the money to go, we raised the money to go and build, and we raised money to leave there. And it was an incredible experience, and we accomplished that. And so in every way, we saw growth, I think, this past year. It's very encouraging in every possible way in our church family. Um, we asked you all to refocus, just to simplify it, and we did, and yet we still accomplished all these great things. And so, what, what about financially? Let me, let me talk a little bit about the financial giving of our church. Um, first and foremost, I want to say that as elders um, uh, and leaders in the church, we, we thank everyone who gives any amount. You know, there, there are people in our, in our church um, who uh, um, we know as leaders um, because we get to see, you know, who gives and so forth and, and gets the tax receipts, who uh, we, we know don't have incredible incomes, and yet the percentage of what they give is, is sacrificial. And we also have people in our church who are um, very sacrificial and incredibly generous, incredibly generous. And so the thank you that we want to give to our church this year is to everyone is to everyone. We want to encourage you that um, the work of ministry of the church is 
It costs money. <laughs> it just does. It costs money to do. But we don't just bring the money into ourselves and use it just for ourselves, you know, to pay your pastor or rent this facility, put the lights on, to pay the mortgage on our building downtown. We, 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 we want to be a church that gives away, too. We want to give away to these other ministries like C2C and Young Life and, and MB Mission and whoever we can. We want to give some money away and support them as well. And so we, we, we want to say thank you. Really want to say thank you. And secondly, God has been answering our prayers each day for more laborers uh, into this harvest. We pray every day, those of us who are leaders, we encourage everyone in our church to set your, your watches, Dick Tracy here, uh, Christmas present, or your iPhones, whatever you've got, and, and set it for 10.02 every day and pray Luke 10.2, that the Lord of the harvest would send laborers into his harvest. And I pray that every day, not only for our church, that he would send us more men and women who would come here, devoted Christians who would join with us to help us make Jesus known in this community, but also for church planters across Canada, for church friends that we have who are struggling, that God would help provide for them not only the laborers, the physical bodies, but the finances, because it's, again, it, it costs to make things, things happen. So let me, let me talk about the numbers. Hmm. Uh, I got to be honest, Jen and I went away in the summer to Cape Breton to uh, bury my mom beside my dad, and we're on vacation, and, you know, I'm, I'm one of these guys, I'm an ex-business guy, so I'm always checking things, right, and uh, asking the elders, how are things going, and, and stuff like that. And I, I got to be honest with you, by the end of August, it was really not looking very good. We were... Um, farther behind by the end of August financially than we had ever been. It, it just, just, and again, it's because many, many people who had moved away were people who um, served but also had, had you know, a mature attitude towards giving and were very generous and, and so forth, and, and that sometimes takes time. So we just, we just dug in and we kept praying, you know, the elders and others, please pray. <laughs> Luke 10 to pray whatever prayer you want to pray, and we, we just put faith in God that He would supply. He always has. It's a crazy thing. And then sometime around the third week of September, we got an unusually large single gift. Things were looking up. It was very encouraging. It was, it was shocking, but it's very encouraging. I, I share that with you. We're happy to share all these things with you because it's really important that you know that God moves in, in, in amazing ways. And, and then, you know, it's September, things start to pick up, people are back, and, and it was, but we were still going on. And then by the end of November, another, another very significant, very significant gift came in. And so we were at that point praying, Lord, what do you, what's going to happen? I mean, what, what, what about December? December hasn't even happened. And usually in December, that, that's one of those times where people get caught up and, and you know, it's, it's a little bit better than normal. And, and so we were, we were expectant and, and, of course, reminding you in the e-newsletters that it's year end. And that's part of our job, by the way, is to remind you. Um, and so we did. And uh, let me put it this way. Um, I'll give you that. I don't have all the numbers yet. We will have an AGM at the end of January, and all of the numbers will be printed and given to members and regular attenders who come to that AGM. Uh, we, we publish that information. But let me just put it this way. I'll conclude with this. Um, from a deficit of $6,000 last year, we're now looking at um, a situation to this year where we will probably have a surplus of around $20,000. That <laughs> That's pretty amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. And so that allowed us also at this point uh, we already knew that we would, uh, we would have 
a bit of an increase, a significant increase at the end this year. And so we were able to, uh, as a year-end, uh, also gift some money away to C to C. And uh, that's uh, an awesome thing. So that's my report. That's looking back at this past year. And for all of that, we thank you. We thank uh, those of you who are here, those who might listen to this message. Um, it's encouraging. I want you to be encouraged that God continues to supply. We have nothing to fear. I think one of the songs we sang today or the word that was read said that we have nothing to fear. He, he constantly, constantly provides. Uh, I, I, as your pastor, um, I, I will confess that uh, there are a couple things I worry about. <laughs> That's one of them, but it isn't for me. It isn't for me personally, but it's for the health of our, our church. It's for you, that, that things can continue to grow, and that you, especially the young men and women of this church, will be part of the growth of this when my time is done here. But it's also, you know, to be honest with you, it's, it's, uh, I, I, I have this tendency to worry about whether we're doing enough to serve one another, but also our community. And so I, I repent of that, and I confess it to you, but I also want to thank you. I want to thank you personally for amazing things that you do. And I, I see faces here today, and, and I know people who aren't here with us today who just serve above and beyond. So that's my word on looking back. I want to take a few moments. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step away. I really want to encourage you, um, those of you who are here, um, if you have anything you want to share, um, I know there's a small number here today, but if you have anything you want to share this morning about what God has been doing in your, your life and in your ministry, um, in your family, in your home, the mic is yours. We'll give another opportunity uh, before Easter. <clears throat> We're going to do this more often this year. We, I promised that or suggested that last year and did get away from it because uh, things got busy, but we'll want to open the mic more often to get your testimonies and stories from you, okay? So be ready. You're ready to share on any given Sunday. We'll give you some notice in our e-newsletters. If you have your Bibles, I want to just give you a short devotional to close with today. Open them to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. <clears throat> um, I want to look forward into the new year with you and, and, and dream a little bit and, and, and cast vision forward with you. Uh, but I want to look at, obviously, the, you know, tomorrow's the first of January. And, and listen, I know that… Actually, I've surveyed many of you in the past. Not, not a lot of you are into the whole resolution thing, making New Year's resolutions, but most of the world is going to be into it tomorrow. Uh, Nielsen's, just so you know, Nielsen's the polling company in the United States. Uh, of their top 10 uh, things that people make resolutions for for the new year, I'll just give you a few of them. Number one would be stay fit and healthy. In other words, exercise. That's the number one resolution that people apparently make every year. Uh, and then it goes on from there to lose weight, get organized, find a, a new and more rewarding job, learn a new sport or a hobby, travel more, spend less, save more, etc. You know, those, those are the standards. Those are the top that people uh, put themselves to. And, and really, at the end of the day, they're all positive things, aren't they? They're all positive things, but we know that some positive things can be turned into an ultimate thing, and that's when it becomes uh, a problem. So here's a question. What would be the best New Year's resolution that you could possibly make? Is it one of those? What one resolution do you think would set you up best for the life that God has for you, which truly is your best life, the life that He has for you? 
Now, when you think about it, we're, we're so good at this, aren't we? I mean, we, we could take this list. We could take the first one on the list, right, to stay fit and healthy, and we could use that as a great example. We could spiritualize that, and we could say, oh, yeah, well, listen, if I made that my, my number one goal for 2018, um, I mean, if I was fit and healthy, I mean, obviously, I'd probably do better at work. I could give more at church. I'd be more awake on Sunday morning. I could serve. You know? <laughs> like, you could, you could really turn that into something. We're good at that. We're good at looking at things that we think are best for us and turning those into the things that will improve. But listen, the stay fit and healthy thing. I mean, think about that. Let's say you make that your goal for this year. Then you need to invest in that, don't you? I mean, you, know, you need to buy new gear, right? You need to buy new equipment. Some people need to buy some tights, right? Or some merino wool. You need, you know, wicking clothing. You need to get that stuff. You know, you need to get a gym membership. You need to get a treadmill. You know, this is hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of dollars for your New Year's resolution, Right? And then, and then, you've got to commit to getting up early, right? Or you've got to get on that treadmill. You've got to get out there. You've got to wear this stuff. You've got to, you've got to do it. Well, the Apostle Paul is rather brutal in his assessment of these kinds of things. He tells his young protege, Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. We'll get to Philippians in a sec. He says this. Look, look at these words. He says, rather... In other words, rather than all these other things, rather train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, it is of some value, godliness is of a value in every way. It holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So I I want to show you really briefly before we close today Paul's one best resolution. He's got the best uh, resolution, and he gives it to us in Philippians 3. I'm going to read the verses, verses 7 to 11, and then we'll unpack them really quickly. He says this, but whatever gain profit I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Jesus Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection, and that I may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now, just before these words in Philippians 3, 7 to 11, Paul gives his CV, right? his curriculum vitae, his resume. He, he gives his resume, and it's an incredible, incredible resume that Paul had. Having studied under the renowned scholar Gamaliel, he basically has multiple PhDs, right? He's got PhDs in Hebrew culture and in the law, and he's a Pharisee of Pharisees. He's a a top leader in the Jewish faith at one point in his life. At least he was. What's most interesting is that he lumps all of these previous accomplishments and titles and positions together And he basically says, before meeting Christ on the road to Damascus, all of these things were nothing but merely works 
of my flesh. They were just works of my flesh. And what he means by that is they were just human striving. They were just human striving. And this is what every New Year's resolution that you or I can think of is. It's us. I've done it. I've got the T-shirt. Okay, like I'm not preaching at you. I'm with you on this. I've done this. I've had these goals. It's us and our human strength and abilities striving to better ourselves, to provide more for ourselves with a more profitable life in the areas of health, wealth, and happiness. And this is what Paul was, past tense, all about before he met Christ. The sad thing for most of us is this. If not at New Year's, at some point each year, we make a new plan to take our lives to the next level. We all do it. We, we, we get stuck. We get to a position. We go, oh, this is crazy. This is too intense. So this isn't working. Got to refocus. Got to restart. Got to do it. You know, to improve our health, our financial situation, our level of happiness or contentedness, and especially our futures. Some of us are wise enough to get freaked out about that and start, oh, we got to put away money for the… Right. Well, let me ask this question. Why do so many of us fail? Why do so many of us fail? I mean, we get started, it's all good, we start running, we start doing it, and then, boom, it's March, right? And we seem to fail. Why do we start with such great intentions and even start to see improvement, but either fail at that one area or discover we have another problem or area that we need to work on and we need to resolve to improve in? Well, Paul has the answer. Look at it. In verses 7 and beginning of 8, he says this, but whatever gain, now the Greek word there could mean profit, I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the unsurpassed worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. So first, Paul tells us that at about 30 years of age, when he was at the very top of his game, he was it. He was accomplished already. He had a future ahead of him in the Jewish faith as a leader where he was going to be, he was going to not only be wealthy, he was going to be powerful. That's where he was at. But at that point, he had a life-changing experience, life-altering experience. He met Jesus, and he starts off basically by saying this, at that point, at the point that I met him and knew who he really was, I then saw all of my life's accomplishments, everything that I had, I had attained and gained up until that point in time in my life, all of my education experience as loss. The word he uses, is, as we're going to see, is going to be, he's going to use the word rubbish. In other words, they have profited me little, virtually nothing compared to, look at this, knowing Jesus Christ. And look at this again, as my Lord. So this is about his salvation. This is the point at which he's realized that, whoa, wait a second. Jesus is king. He is my Lord. If that's true, if that's real, then everything else really at the end of the day is meaningless. It's meaningless. He's speaking about his salvation and the value that he puts on us. So here's another question for you. Would you give it all up right now? For Jesus Christ? Would you give it all up? 
your titles, your education, your position, your status, what people think of you, the success that you have and or the value it provides for you in your life right now, would you give it all up? Would you become nothing, really, for Him? But again, think about it. This, this is very costly. It's really costly to even think about that. And Paul's not asking you to, I'm not asking you to do that. But the question is, would you be willing to? In your heart of hearts, have you? Have I? Have I done that? It's very costly. But again, every other goal is costly. <laughs> every goal that you're going to have in life, and some of them are good. Getting healthy and staying fit is good. You know, saving money is good. These are good things, right? But you're going to have to work at it. You're going to have to really work. It's going to cost you something to give yourself to self-improvement and all of the bookstores right now, online or brick and mortar, are, they've got sections filled out with all kinds of positive mental attitude and self-help books, which will help you get there. So there's lots of stuff that you can give yourself to. Paul understands. He understands. But then he says this. In verses 8b to 9, he says, For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. That word literally in the Greek is manure, dung. <laughs> He's a pretty severe guy, isn't he? Like he takes things really serious. But I think there's something that we miss about Paul. In order that I may gain profit Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. As I said, his assessment of his previously attained goals is pretty brutal. He says that he counts them as rubbish, as manure, when compared to gaining Christ. You see, here's the point that I think we miss, and we don't have time to delve into it too deeply, but I think there is something that Paul sees in Jesus and about Jesus that we in our world today don't see. He knows him way more intimately than most of us. If, if we hear Paul's words and we think those are incredibly severe, this man's a bit like, like over the top, that's, that's dismissive. Instead, it, it's maybe that he sees something that you and I don't, that there's something we're not seeing. I think it must be the case. I think it must be the case and what could that be then? How, how did he get to see it after that one remarkable Damascus Road experience? How did he get to that point? Well, listen, at this point in Paul's life when he's writing this letter to the church in Philippi, he, he's been a Christian for 30 years. He's planted churches. He's been whipped to an inch of death three times, beaten severely. He's been preaching the Word of God. It's at this point that he says that his one goal, his New Year's resolution, is to know Jesus more. I think that's remarkable. I think we miss that. It's his resolution every year. I want to know Christ more and better. And he's determined to do it. And then he goes on and says, and his conclusion is that I may know him that I may know him and the power of his resurrection 
and that I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. He, he talks about he, he wants to know him. He wants to know him more deeply, personally, than he's ever known him before. He's known him. He's physically saw him. He was struck blind by him. He's heard from him repeatedly so that he could write the Scripture. But he wants to know him more deeply. And he wants to share in his life in every possible way. But the, one of the most important things in these words here on the screen is that he wants to experience the power of his resurrection. That's that new life. You and I, we can't, we can't do anything today for Christ. And hear this, if we can't do anything for Christ, then it's not that he can't, but he isn't able, he's not doing anything for us in our lives if we don't know him and know his will for our lives. The power is not there. The power of new life and the resurrection of new life that is to be given to us isn't there. And that's why we experience those periods where it's like, yeah, I'm going to church. Yeah, I'm going to community group. Yeah, I give. Yeah, I serve. But, you know, <sighs> chapters, Amazon, self-help, something else. So here's, I want to conclude with this. I want to give you a couple things. Number one, this is going to be my New Year's resolution. I, I love the Apostle Paul. I've told that before. He is a, he is a, he is a crazy man. He's, a, he's over the top in and, and all in with Jesus. I love that about him. I'm not there. I'm not there yet, but I want to be there. And so I'm going to know that, that I'm going to make that my resolution for this year. Listen, I, I've known Jesus Christ for 40 years. I became a Christian when I was 23 years of age. So you can do the math. I'll be <clears throat> 50, 13 in March, right? Uh, and, and I've known him personally for 40 years or been getting to know him for 40 years. I, I've known my wife Janice for... Well, we've been married uh, just this past December 13th for 39 years, um, and we were together for four years before that, so I've known her actually longer than, well, I've known about Jesus before I became a Christian at 23, but, you know, I've known her longer. Well, well, how do I know Janice? How, how, I'm still getting to know her. <laughs> and those of you who know her, you know what I mean, right? But, but how, do I, how do I get to know her? I mean, how, well, I spend time with her, Right? I'm spending my life with her, but I spend time with her as well. We, we made plans throughout our lives that I would work from home rather than in an office sometimes so that we could be together. And, and so I, I spent time with her. We, we traveled together. Um, I, I, I talked to her. I listened to her. I try really hard. I listened to her, right, as much as I can. I ask a lot of questions. Ladies, we, we ask a lot of questions, don't we? Like, what are you thinking? That's a bad question, guys, but we ask it, right? We ask question after question, but I ask those questions. Why? I love my wife. I want to know her better. I, I haven't got to the point 10, 15 years ago where I'm like, check that box, I know Janice. No, I, I don't fully. But the truth is, I want to. In the same way, we can get to know Jesus. This is the same way that we need to get to know Jesus. It's the same way. We need to spend time with Him by being in His word. That's where he is, by the way. He's in us, but he reveals himself to us more deeply when we go to him and we go to his word. We, we need to talk to him. We need to pray. We need to listen. We need to ask him for help. We need to ask him all the time. And so, my, my pledge to you is, is that this is what 
I want to do for this year. I want to really give myself to Him. I want to devote my time to Him. I want to pray to Him. And so what I would really like to do this year is to join with brothers and sisters in Christ, with all of you in this room, with everybody in our church, if possible, and, and, and really give myself, challenge ourselves to know Christ better, that you challenge me and I'll do the same for you in, in an encouraging and loving way that we encourage each other to do that. So here, here's my two dreams for this year, right? I mean, previously we had like, like seven one year and then last year it was three. This year it's two, okay? Okay, bringing it down. Number one is obviously what we've just been talking about, and that is resolve to know Jesus Christ more. So we've invested as a church in these little fellows called Life Journals. It's actually a new version of the Life Journal. Uh, You'll know that as a church for five or six years, we encouraged many of you to do the Life Journal with us, which is to read through the Bible, a whole Bible in one year. And last year, we switched to another reading plan, which is like a five-day reading plan. You still get through the whole Bible in one year. And, and again, it's like, it's like fitness, isn't it? Like everybody gets a good start, right? And then you get, you get behind, you fall behind. And so this is, this is a new one, and it's, it's really good. Actually, there's, there's pages to take notes. In the back, there's all of the readings for the year. But actually, it's a two-year reading plan. And I really like this. I, I researched it, looked into it. We, bought, we actually bought enough of them for every adult in our church today. And so I want to encourage you before you leave today, if you are willing to try to commit to doing this with me this year, with us this year, I will give you one. I will stand here and I will give you one and I will encourage you to take one. Friends, you know, (laughs) this is the way. Some of us are going to, you know, pick up books. Some of us are going to go to uh, blog posts, to, to, to uh, uh, podcasts, vodcasts of really powerful and amazing preachers and teachers and all the rest. And we're going to go to that, and we're going to let them do all the work, and we're going to think, we're going to think that we're going to grow through that. No. You're going to get a momentary blip of, of enthusiasm and then life. These reading plans take 11 to 13 minutes to read. And then if you take another 10 or 15 minutes and just meditate and pray and you go through it verse by verse through God's Word, it is powerful. It is powerful. The Word of God is what will lead you to know Jesus Christ more. And I want to suggest to you that once you've done this, you'll probably be able to stay fit and exercise better. All of those other things in your life that you need, want, and desire that God has designed you for will happen, just like all of the big dreams that we want to do as a church will happen. So that's number one. Secondly is this, and I'll leave you with this this morning before we close in some worship, and that is this. I want to ask us to… where did it go? Uh, Oh, there it is. Resolve to reach young families. Uh, Six weeks ago, this is really quick, we commissioned a team of 14 adults, I think it's 16 now totally within our church, uh, to be part of our Vision 2018 and Beyond team. And that's because as elders this past fall, we really, look, you see the kids up front here this morning, and there's more coming and there's new families joining us. We, we, We just really feel that the place that we're at as a church Um, for the most part, is we have this core group of young men and women who are godly young men and women who want to grow with Jesus, who who want their kids to grow in the knowledge of who Jesus is, but they do want to reach also their their neighbors and and their their community around them that are unchurched. This is the perfect group (laughs) to send into this community to reach that community, right? 
Well, it is, but then there are maybe some issues. And so what we asked this team to do was two things. Number one, evaluate Eagle Eye and House Sound Secondary School. Take a good look at what we're doing here and ask this question. For the next three to five years, is this the best place for us to be gathering as a church for this right now what we're doing? But also, more importantly, from our perspective, for our kids. For our kids, but also the kids in the community that we want to invite here. And so we asked the team to, first of all, evaluate that. Positives, negatives, yes, it'll work if we do this, if we spend money on this to do that. Or B, dream big. Where else? Where else can we gather on Sunday mornings where we don't have to do setup every Sunday morning, where we can have children's rooms that are pre-set up, that are amazing, where we can provide for moms who are nursing in a much better way than we do today? It's a big dream, but I got to tell you, the team, and we only, that, that original core of 14 to 16, they are charged with inviting the rest of you into it, but they were just a sampling uh, of, our, of our whole church that we invited into it, who we knew were committed rock, uh, members of the Rock Church and really wanted to see us grow as a church. And so that's our big dream for this year. Our big dream for this year is to, is to reach unchurched families in this community. If you've been to the ledge, if you've been to any coffee shop, the grocery store in this town, you will know strollers are all over the place, right? And some of them are double strollers, like twins. It's unbelievable. It's just it's Pemberton, Pemberton, Pemberton potatoes is what I've been told. That's our dream for this year. Number one, that you personally, all of us personally would know Jesus Christ more deeply. That's what we need as Christians. And then secondly, that we would go and reach these young families by inviting them to be with us when we gather to worship God and find out who Jesus is and why he matters more than anything else. Pray with me, would you?